With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I am Ryan Zook. I'm Eric Mann. On this week's episode, we will be discussing March Madness. The Michigan men's basketball team is headed to the Big Ten Tournament in Indianapolis. The women await their NCAA tournament fate, all while coronavirus hangs over the sports world. We've got hockey talk and football news, all that and more on this episode of Wolverine Confidential. Guys, good to be back talking with you. Aaron, I feel like, you know, our communication has not taken a break due to the text messaging service I subscribe to. Oh, yeah. Wolverine Confidential subtext. I'm getting news (laughs) on the Michigan football team and even some uh, news on the basketball team as well here and there. So how's that been going from, from your perspective and... Yeah, what can what Good. can subscribers expect yeah, going things forward? Are starting to pick up. I mean, obviously Michigan hasn't started practice yet, so we're kind of going off of conjecture and, and you know uh, you know predict projections at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a lot a lot of you know we did have a little bit of news yesterday with Devin Gill transferring. I'm sure we'll get into it later on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we did break a couple stories last week. Much the board coming on. But yeah, it's going good. You know, I think once spring practice gets going, there'll be more stuff to just to talk about. Um, but so far, so good. I mean, I've been texting subscribers two or three times a day, every day, Monday through Friday. I plan on continuing that all this week and next. And yeah, it's been no, it's been good. Uh, for those of you that aren't subscribed just yet or don't know what I'm talking about, you know, we, we did explain a little bit last week, but I'll go through it again. You know, this is a new tech subscriber system we started. We're calling it Wolverine Confidential as well. But it, it's a way for me to interact with you, the reader, and the listener. Uh, more, you know, intimately, you know, you, I'm able to send out, you know, breaking news before we get it up on MLive.com. You know, I, I, I've got an ongoing list of what I think are some of the more interesting Michigan football players to watch entering, entering the spring. And I'm throwing in analysis and some opinion there as well. Um, you can get it for 4 99 a month. First 14 days are free. Um, you can do that by texting the phone number 734-215-6605. Again, that's 734-215-6605. Text, don't call. We've had a couple people call, try calling the number. You're not going to get Aaron on the phone. No, no. <laughs> but we, so we do, but we, he'll see your text if you text. text yes. And when he calls for questions and whatnot, you know, for the podcast or just for uh, mm-hmm. uh, the service itself. Yeah, and I am able to text individual people back. I have in a couple of instances. So, yeah, it's, it's a good way to kind of interact with me. It, it's a good way to get getting the news first before it goes up on MLive.com. Um, and I'm also giving you know, subscribers, obviously, some exclusive and, and just different things I necessarily wouldn't put into a story. There we go. There you have it. All right. Well, again, a lot to talk to talk about um, in this episode of Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Let's start with the coronavirus. Oh, the coronavirus. I think Ryan has it. Is <laughs> the big news story. Yeah. You know, it's going to have effects on the postseason of college basketball here. What exactly those effects will be remain to be seen. Uh, we've seen steps taken. The Ivy League just straight up canceled its postseason tournaments, and they're sending their conference regular season champions. Uh, well, I shouldn't say they're sending them anywhere. They're designated those teams as the NCAA tournament representatives should the NCAA tournament go as planned. That's, that's yet to be seen, but the way they worded it was carefully chosen, I'm sure. The Mid-American Conference, most likely under because of the advice of their governor, decided to 
play they'll play their their conference tournament without fans. Yeah, they're um, playing that, at Quicken Loan or it was not Quicken Loan, it's Rocket Mortgage for yeah, in Cleveland, in, Ohio. In Cleveland. Ohio is obviously and they declared a state of emergency, I think is what the case situation is. Correct. So we'll see. Um, you know, that is an NCAA tournament host site as well for one of the first, you know, the first two rounds next week. You know, Spokane, Washington is a regional site, uh, or you know, first opening round site. Um, and, and that state's been hit hard. So it will be interesting to see what happens. Um, at the very least, I expect some reduction of you know either fan player interaction, media player interaction potentially. But the Big Ten tournament is scheduled to start tonight, uh, as in we're, we're recording this Wednesday, Wednesday night in Indianapolis. I'm not saying it's ever too late to stop something. I mean, it could be an hour before the uh, doors are opening and they say we're not letting fans in. But you would think if given right now at noon, essentially, they haven't made an announcement that fans, at the very least, are going to be let in and the games are going to go on as scheduled. So, I mean, it's a huge decision to make because especially with you know, a tournament like the Big Ten where you got fans coming from all over you know, the Midwest, different from different schools. They've traveled hundreds of miles in some cases. They've mm-hmm. spent lots of money in hotels and some, some cases flights. Uh, that's a lot of money to eat. Not only that, but the Big Ten and, you know, the NCAA. I, how does the ticket sales purchase? How do t- ticket sales work? Does the NCAA do they get that? Big Ten get that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like, basically, if you bought tickets like through the NCA or through the league, I could see the refund policy would be pretty pretty straightforward. But right. now with StubHub and these third party sellers, yeah. how is that going to work? Even, I don't know. Even in that case, the Big Ten and the NCAA is going to take a hit if they. Yeah. Gonna, I mean, they're not absolutely going to get that t- those ticket sale revenue. So it's it's a big decision to make. It's and it's not one ticket. I mean, made lightly. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's tough because the the virus is spreading rapidly throughout the country. Like it's even Michigan now has has a, a few reported cases as of last night so i mean there does it looks like it's not going to slow down anytime soon so it, it's a tough balance to kind of weigh here with not just a basketball tournament coming up but like pro sport playoffs yep. um, hot, like, and nearly uh, quite a few ncaa sport playoffs are coming up as well so it, it's going to have a large impact on the entire country here yeah it'll be uh, the the prospect of playing games in mostly empty gyms It'll be like these closed door scrimmages, except the stakes are just so so high. I mean, it's, you know, survive and advance here in, in March, trying to you know get through and win championships, get to Final Fours, and with no fans in the stands, that could be that could be really eerie almost. But uh, we'll see. Uh, so far, no announcements made about that. I would not expect the NCA to announce anything about the NCA tournament until Sunday because that's when the bracket comes out and that's when people start booking travel. Mm-hmm. There's no real reason to do anything before then, especially with, with such a fluid situation. But yeah, continue to you know check MLive.com for, for news stories about this and then, of course, the, the Wolverines page for how it might affect Michigan. And I don't think we've seen the worst of the situation yet. I, mean, I think it's only going to get worse. I, I don't know what point will be the tipping point. Obviously, I don't want to get this in a political discussion, but it's it's. I think it's going to get worse for you. Better so how these conferences react to this news is going to be interesting. And you mentioned the NCAA; they got a huge decision to make with some of these sites. You mentioned the sites in Washington and, and Ohio. Uh, some of these states have declared state of emergencies, so it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch all this play out over the next next week or so. Right. Obviously, America doesn't have you know quite the open borders that that some of these European countries do, but you could still look at the numbers there. Look at how that has evolved. You know, in some of these countries, that's a week or two ahead of, of us, and uh, kind of project. Oh, okay, that's what we're looking at next week and the week after that. So, so yeah, it, it's scary, and uh, 
you know, again, hope all our, our listeners are, are staying safe out there. Wash your hands. Yeah, <laughs> that's step one for sure. Okay, the Michigan women are already there, and their Big Ten tournament is done. Michigan won two games. You know, you felt like we, we discussed, you know, you got to get that first one, and then if you can get another one, even better. And they did just that. You know, they, they won their first game, and then they beat. Got a quality win over Northwestern in the second round. Arguably their best win of the season. With Northwestern was the number two seed, number 11 team in the country. And, yeah, Michigan arguably played its best game of the season, winning 67-59. to 59. And the game before that, they were on some uh, – they had a rocky start. They were down 14 points against Nebraska and had a rally in, in the second half to win 81-75. And like we said last week, if they lose that game, they're all of a sudden mm. on the bubble there. And, and depending on what other teams do – they could have been on the outside looking in. But with those two wins, they ended up losing to Ohio State 66-60 to in the semifinals. Ohio State was the number six seed. They're still looking good for uh, NCAA tournament bid. They're number eight seed in the latest rate or uh, projections from Charlie Cream of ESPN. And they'll find out on Monday, the day after Selection Sunday, where officially they will be headed. Right, yeah, the men's bracket comes out Sunday night, uh, the women's on Monday, you know, maybe Monday morning like last year where it just kind of <laughs> leaks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I checked three places, including ESPN and NCA.com. All three of them had Michigan in that 8-9 game, which mm-hmm. we've discussed. The consen- There's a consensus for the one seats, it seems. Oregon, South Carolina, Maryland, and Baylor. You figure Maryland is not – Michigan's not going to be paired in that same pod with Maryland, a fellow Big Ten member. So they're looking at Oregon, South Carolina, or Baylor potentially as a second-round opponent if they are indeed in that 8-9 game. Those are three teams that lost a combined five games this year. Good they, luck. <laughs> Baylor won it all last year. Oregon was in the Final Four and has you know arguably the best player in the country. Yeah, that's tough. But again, you get in, then you worry about that. You know, they could they could be a seven, they could be a ten, uh, and then you're you're playing a, a team on a you know maybe a second tier uh, opponent in in round two. Um, but yeah, this is again Michigan program under Kim Barnes Rico building momentum now, a perennial NCAA tournament team. That's the expectation. You know, you don't jump from not making the tournament to suddenly you know Maybe on the going t- to final fours every year. Exactly. So you know. Right. You, you start building and your seed becomes better and then you can make deeper runs. But that's where the Michigan women stand. The men, uh, again, as we said, the Big Ten tournament starts today, Wednesday in Indianapolis. You know, a couple of the, I like to call them, I guess, the play-in games are, are around round one, I guess, if you want to call it that. You know, you've got Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern and Indiana will all be the, those are the, the four teams involved. I, mean, I don't know if you guys saw Nebraska so desperate for players. They're adding football players to their team, <laughs> to their roster at the last minute here. That'll be interesting to watch. But yeah, Michigan opens tomorrow, Thursday at noon. So schedule your, your lunch hours accordingly uh, for those who are, who are nine to five office workers against Rutgers, a team they've already beat twice this season. It's one of my favorite stats or myths, I should say, to debunk. I got to do it last year when Michigan played Minnesota for a third time after beating them twice. Uh, beating a team three times in college basketball or really any sport turns out it's not that hard. I think that it doesn't happen now and then and people like to say, oh, look at that. Hard to beat a team three times. When in truth, about over 70% of the time, the team that won the first two games wins the third. Now you can you know try to neutralize that for you know teams that were similar record-wise as opposed to teams that were just clearly better than, than the other team, but Fact remains, those numbers are, are pretty lopsided in favor of, in this case, Michigan. But we'll see. We'll see. I mean, Michigan's got some things going for it that it didn't in the first two games. Namely, Isaiah Livers will be on the court. Did not play in either of the first two games. We're playing at a true neutral site. 
uh, in which there will be more Michigan fans. I'd actually, I, I would be very confident as opposed to Rutgers fans. First two games at Madison Square Garden in New York and on Rutgers home gym. So yeah, this will be, uh, this will be interesting. Michigan will try to make a run. They have not lost their first game in the Big Ten tournament since 2006. It's remarkable. It, it's, it's a, it's a longer streak than any Big Ten team by, by far. I think Michigan State was maybe second. They lost in like 2010. You know, part of that is that they're often in, they're often the better seed in that first game. Um, you know, they're not, they don't get that double buy. They're, they're kind of in the, in the range they're, they're in now maybe. Um, but regardless, uh, they're the nine this year, by the way, playing playing Rutgers, who's the eight. Um, yeah, so the if they do keep that streak alive, they would play top seed Wisconsin. I, I think they'd like a, a, a shot at them again after the way their their home game went against the Badgers uh, without Eli Brooks. So we'll see. I'm seeing Michigan as a sometimes as a five, more likely a six or even a seven in the NCAA tournament. You can improve that in a hurry in the Big Ten tournament because you're going to play potentially Wisconsin. Uh, then you could play. Maryland, Michigan State, you know, Illinois, like you're going to play tournament teams uh, throughout, even Rutgers. And that that's what that's what helps. What hurts the Big Ten is that they play their championship on Sunday late afternoon, right before that NCAA tournament comes out. And you can't tell me that the NCAA tournament committee, selection committee, pretty much just ignores the result of that game. I just haven't seen the boost for the teams that I see in other leagues. And that's just the Big Ten's fault. I don't know why they do that. Has there been um, talk of like changing the t- Schedule or the tournament schedule ending on Saturday. I don't know. I don't know. They like that slot. I know that. So it is. I mean, it's a good time. It's middle of the day Sunday. TV, CBS, whatever it is. It's like like you said, good spot. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, that's where that's where the men stand. Uh, I'll be on my way to Indy today with with Kyle Austin, Michigan State writer, as well as Mike Mahone, our photographer. So we'll have full coverage of what is as of now, you know, full go in in Indy, Bankers Life Fieldhouse, which is where the Pacers play. I take it. Yes, it's not the huge. uh, you know, football arena there, but that is where the regional will be played um, in Indianapolis in a couple of weeks, Sweet 16 games. Um, I want to pivot to sports betting because it was it was it was legalized in Michigan. Well, not not yesterday; it was legalized a while ago. Yeah, but you know, now now yeah. it's implemented, and, and you know, casinos are open for business to take sports bets. Ryan, you were there, so I guess if you could just kind of give us the kind of summary of what the news is, and then we can. We can break it down. Yeah, so, I mean, the Michigan uh, Gaming Control Board approved yesterday that uh, the three Detroit casinos are good to go in, in launching uh, the sports betting at their casinos. Two of them will open at 1 p.m. Wednesday uh, today. Motor City is waiting until Thursday to open up their uh, sports book. But, yeah, this is big news, kind of. I, I spoke with uh, the executive director after the meeting, and Still, the online betting is going to be the key to all the tax revenue um, that's going to that the state's going to generate from this. This in-person sports betting is more getting more people inside the casino right. than playing other games as but well. The state, I think, is going to collect more. more the state's going to collect more tax revenue on the online games and in-person, right? I think the tax, the yeah, tax yeah, was a, much, was a yeah, higher percentage, correct? But yeah, this is a, a big first step, and I mean, they, it was just. Uh, it was uh, legalized in December, so it was a really quick turnaround to get this up and running um, by March. So all three of the casinos, betting providers, suppliers, are they're all under temporary licenses too. So I mean, it's it's going to be a touchy feely thing to see how how things go, but they're all they're all regulated, and we'll see how how things go for the first couple months. And it's important to note that the three Detroit casinos, at least two of them, but they're 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 partnered with 
betting companies that are they've done this before. Like MGM is partnered with the, they have, they have serious casinos in Las Vegas. They have the infrastructure is already set up. They know what they're doing. They've done this before. They're licensed and regulated in other states. Uh, so it's not like these these companies are getting into this for the first time. They know what they're doing. The infrastructure, especially the MGM Grand Detroit, has been set up now for. Gosh, months. They they launched a sports betting lounge like last fall or something like that, being prepared for this type of thing. Um, But what this does is basically alleviates the need to go to Las Vegas or Atlantic City or any other betting, you know, uh, sports betting area in the United States. You can stay home and and do it. uh, Which for sports betting specifically, yes, it doesn't alleviate the need to go to Las Vegas altogether. I mean, come on, for your sports betting needs, sure, absolutely. I mean, I know there's some stigma with it, but whatever. I'll say it. I mean, I've I've been a sports better for a long time now. I don't do it online. I've never really done it, like I guess illegally or in the shady yeah. market. I have no no um, you know judgment against those that have, but I've always done it. You know, in Vegas when I when I've gone out there, pretty much annually. You know, this job has kind of shifted my uh, habits because I don't. I, I used to go often actually for for this time of year, March Madness, the the first weekend. It was awesome, but yeah, now I'm obviously covering games, but it's a big deal, and to be able to do it do it here and you know Ryan, you made a good point about the margins are somewhat small. Um, you know, a lot of people are just betting. Say twenty dollars a game, and if you're if you're betting the point spread on a, on any given game, you've got a 50, 50 shot at winning that. Um, you know the casino makes their money from uh, you know they don't pay you back your full twenty dollars if you win. That's how they that's how they get you or whatever. But yeah, like you said, it's just, it's foot traffic, and now, now maybe you're staying in the hotel or you're taking your winnings, or even if you didn't win, you're you're going and trying to make up for it at the blackjack table. So all all in all, you see why casinos want to have this, and it's it's fun, and I think it's been destigmatized by fantasy sports, by the daily fantasy sports, by the the professional leagues partnering with these companies, DraftKings and, and what have you. So. Yeah, the interesting thing will be if you'll start to have kiosk, if you will, you know, at your local deli here in Ann Arbor. Because <laughs> how many people, you know, that that live here are necessarily going to make the trip to Detroit just to place a sports bet? I mean, you know, if you can make a, a day of it on a sun, NFL Sunday or you know the opening of, of March Madness, I could see. But yeah, uh, that, really that's where wonder, the app comes in, I guess, in the, the online betting. I really wonder how this is going to affect like fantasy sports league too among friends. Like, if people are going to gravitate towards daily gambling on daily games or, or more just betting sports instead of doing season-long fantasy leagues as I think well. they probably complement one another they help each yeah. other because if, if you you know if you have a history of placing sports bets in Las Vegas or whatever the case may be um, I think you're more likely you're more susceptible to playing one of those games and vice versa I think if, if you've been playing daily fantasy for a while but never really laid a sports bet before you're going to be more likely to do it because you're familiar with the whole, the whole thing it's important to note too that you mentioned that these three Detroit casinos have all got temporary licenses to do this. There's a there's a reason they're doing this now because of Mar- the NCAA tournaments <laughs> beginning. The conference tournaments are starting. Uh, Vegas, Las Vegas, from a sports betting perspective, they have two two of their busiest weekends every year. The first one is the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament, and the second is Super Bowl weekend. So they obviously they they probably presume there'll be big business this weekend and next weekend at these Detroit casinos. So that's why they probably get up. I presume that's the, why they've got out in front of this whole thing. And I'm sure that when they wanted to set this timeline, it was before this coronavirus outbreak too. So I don't know what effect that might have on, on foot traffic in any public places. But yeah, I mean, typically uh, this would be a huge weekend for for any sports betting at at, uh, at casinos that. Hundred percent. You know, my brothers and friends who still do go to Vegas this time of year, I know airfare and hotel prices have just been plummeting, which you know reflects kind of the fears and the concerns, you know, about all of that. But uh, yeah, interesting, uh, something to to keep an eye on. Let's talk hockey, all things stick and puck with Ryan Zook. You know, you kind of alluded to this 
the Michigan hockey team getting hot at the right time. Don't count them out yet. And they're still alive. They're still alive with two impressive victories over Michigan State over the weekend. Uh, first round sweep over the Spartans, winning three to nothing both nights. And a couple of, I don't I never want to say easy shutouts, but two shutouts for Strauss Mann without facing a whole a ton of shots. He had 45 total saves in the two games and didn't face many grade A chances. And I think that speaks a lot to the type of structure the Wolverines are playing with right now. Um, I mean, they're 11-3-2 since January 1st to climb up in the Big Ten standings and in the, the pairwise rankings. And right now they sit in a, a pretty good position. Um, they were 13th yesterday in the pairwise, so there must have been another game that, that decided they pushed them down to 14, which is kind of right on that cutoff mark of where you want to be to get an at-large bid if you do not win the conference tournament. So on this, this Sunday's game against Ohio State in the in the Big Ten semis could be their season. If they win this game, they have a shot at getting that at-large bid even if they don't win the conference tournament. But if they lose and a few teams that are outside the top 16 win their conference tournament, that's going to push them out, and the, their second-half run will all be for nothing because uh, they will not be going dancing. So, And I was looking, looking this up yesterday, and, uh, Ohio State was the only team Michigan had a losing record against mm-hmm. during the regular season at 1-3. and three. Uh, Two of those games were way back in November when, when Michigan hadn't really hit its stride yet. They faced twice um, since January 1st and split a weekend series in Ann Arbor. That might be the toughest matchup for Michigan. I think Ohio State would give them the, the toughest toughest game. I think mm-hmm. Penn State overall is a better team, but Michigan has played better against them, playing that trap style to kind of limit Penn State's offense. Um, but when you have a hot goaltender, I've said this throughout of this podcast, he to win you a game by himself. And he didn't really have to do that against mm-hmm. Michigan State because the Spartans, quite frankly, just aren't that talented of a team. But Ohio State is a different story. They're they're going to be in the NCAA tournament regardless. They're ranked 10th in the country. So no matter really what happens to them during the rest of this Big Ten tournament, they will be dancing come March 22nd when, when the hockey selection show is. Basketball and hockey, you just want to be playing – well, at the right time, it's like it's a longer season, and it all builds up to to you know this time of year. Minnesota Duluth, the last two years, barely got in, and, and they they they're back to back national champions. So yeah, it's it's only sixteen teams get in, so you don't have to win as many games once you get in there as well. Right. It takes a couple wins, and you're in the Frozen Four, and then at that point, anything can happen. And and for Michigan, and even Western Michigan's on that bubble too. You have a shot at playing at Little Caesars Arena. For the Frozen Four, right down the street. So I mean, that would be. Hopefully, there'll be fans there. Possible. That's another situation uh, sure. to monitor. But that would be a, a pretty, maybe a home ice advantage feeling for for any Michigan team that can that can make it there. Uh, the football team and any any news um, from that. You've gotten it in the Wolverine Confidential subtext. You've probably seen it on the website by now. Um, but the, the latest thing would be the Devin Gill. Leaving the program, or at least um, you know, taking the first steps to leaving the program. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's officially entered the transfer portal. His name was in, I think, as of this morning today. Not a huge surprise. He's kind of fallen out of the depth chart, so to speak. He, you know, here's the thing with Devin Gill. It's interesting because he was a guy that was, came out. He's from Miami, the Miami area. Mm-hmm. He was in the same class as, as uh, Devin, or class after Devin Bush, but he was in that same high school, Flanagan High School, that same pipeline, so to speak. Uh, There's a third guy from there too, another defensive player from Michigan from that, or no? Am I? Uche. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, 
So anyway, but Gil, he didn't play much his, his freshman or his redshirt his freshman year, didn't play much his redshirt freshman year. Mm-hmm. But his sophomore year in 2018 was interesting because he, he started, you know, he started every game. Started weak side linebacker all 13 games. He had 33 tackles, three and a half for a loss, and one and a half sacks. So he was slowly creeping up on the depth chart. And this past year in 2019, he played every game, but he didn't play much a linebacker. He was more of a special teams guy. He was a rotational guy at, at times. It was never really made clear what the deal was, why, why he didn't wasn't playing a ton at linebacker. Now, granted, Michigan had some talent guys coming up. You know, you saw the, the emergence of Cam McGrone last season. But Gill basically, he didn't have the same role he had in 2018. And I, I suspect, again, I reached out to him for a comment. He hasn't gotten back to me. I suspect you know, just the lack of playing time at linebacker was the decision. You know, and that rightfully so. You know, he has the option of moving on. He, it's, he indicated that he was graduating uh, this summer. So he will be a immediately eligible to play next season wherever he ends up. I wouldn't be surprised if perhaps he ends up somewhere down south, Ole Miss maybe, where Devin Bush Sr. is now. Mm. Uh, Chris Partridge is there as well. Just saying. I mean, this, that's, that's, Ole Miss me, that's just me speculating at this point. I have no inside knowledge on that at this point. Um, but it, it leaves Michigan's linebacking situation interesting because they've got some guys coming back, as we've talked about, Cam McGrone, who really came on last year and expected to be the piece in the middle there. They've got Josh Ross coming back as well, who has starting experience as well. He was injured most of last season with an ankle. They expected Josh Ross to be, in, in some ways, become Cam Grow last year. But again, he got hurt, so he, he didn't emerge. He's healthy now. Uh, I suspect he's going to fill the will spot. But then you've got a whole host of guys behind them with little to no experience at all. They've got, they've got a lot of bodies. They've got, I think, counted 10 scholarship guys, five of which will be true freshmen. Uh, Michael Baird is expected to play a key role at the Viper spot with Khalid Cutson gone, but a, a lot of unproven in, inexperience. So they, Don Brown will be have his hands full um, with the linebackers this spring and, and, and summer and in the fall. Um, they got a lot of figuring out to do. Gill at least provided experience and, and the ability to play the position. That's no longer there. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the, the playing time when it starts going – uh, down over time, that's not a good sign. You know, it, it, you you want to see that steady increase, and when it goes the other way, usually it, you, you don't bounce back. So when you're starting to get passed up by other guys after having a big role, it's it's kind of the signal so you're on your way out. And that's basically you know it seems like what happened there. You know, and, and Devin sounds like he's getting going to get his degree. So he well you have a degree, he'll be able to play right away next year. So in a way, it's a good situation for him. He can go somewhere else, get a fresh start, get one year, perhaps start somewhere else. Uh, and get an opportunity to you know get himself back into the you know the potential pro pro discussion. Yeah, good uh, luck to him. I know he's you know his family. He's, a, he's got a young son as does, well. Yeah, so you know, yeah, wish wish him the best. But yeah. it, it's a blow for Michigan. You'd rather have a guy like that on your depth chart, even if you know he's probably not going to start. Yeah, um, and he and, and granted, he may have an opportunity to start this mm-hmm. coming year. You know, given the lack of experience with the rest of the guys, he could have filled a temporary starting role. You don't know, uh, but you know, he won't. That's not going to happen this year. Um, other than that, not a ton going on. A pro day is Friday in Ann Arbor. Um, Michigan intends they have they're going to have all eleven other combine guys there. How much each of them will do remains to be seen. Josh Uche, Ben Bredesen, Sean McCune. I'm trying to remember Ben Bredesen, Josh Uche, Sean McCune. I think we'll go through most of the testing because they did do at the combine. Uh, most of the the ham- hamstring epidemic. Yeah, there, yeah several <laughs> mission guys had hamstring issues at the front, from, stemming from senior, the Senior Bowl. They didn't participate much of, in much of anything at the combine. They were there. They went through the interviews, and they were measured and everything else, but they didn't test. So this will be an opportunity for them to do so. Shea Patterson will be another opportunity to throw after he had a mixed day at the combine. Some people said he did well. He did miss a couple brutally bad. 
So any kind of an opportunity, again, to show his arm in front of NFL scouts. But the two keys here are going to be the two guys that did not receive combine invites who are going to get an opportunity here, Mike Dana and Jordan Glasgow. Dana, obviously, is, is a fringe guy, NFL guy at this point. He has some good, good things about him, but there's some concerns as well. Glasgow, you don't know about him. He was named, Michigan named him as their linebacker of the year this past year. Mm-hmm. Didn't get any combine invite. He's got two older brothers in the NFL, so that's go, he's got that going for him. Um, but this will be their opportunity, so to speak, to shine from these NFL scouts and, and test well and, and do the drills. And you'll be there. I will be there. Um, media will not have access. We will not get to see firsthand what these guys do. I suspect we'll get test results and, and measurements and everything else afterward. But the guys, and as far as I know, the guys will speak to the media, so we'll hear from uh, at least Dan and Glasgow. I'm sure we'll hear from several of the combine guys as well. Granted, we, you know, we have stories up from each of them. Is, is that pretty typical to not have any access to watching the pro you know, days? The last few years, that's been the case in Michigan. I think the first year uh, Harbaugh was here, they, they did let the media in. It is a departure from most schools. Most schools do allow the media in right, the pro day workouts, uh, including some of the big ones like Alabama, LSU. Michigan is rare in that regard. I don't know the reason.